Hello! Welcome back to the History Obscura Reading Room. I'm so glad you found your way. I know these hallways can change direction on you unexpectedly. Let's celebrate with a good cup of hot tea, shall we? I even have a few biscuits ready, so do help yourself. Don't mind the ones with the powdered sugar. Those are for a later meeting. So tonight's story is about a little boy who became the immortal ruler of the world, in a way. Once upon a time, there was a boy called Ying Zheng. Ying Zheng was the eldest son of King Zhuangsheng of Qin, which meant that upon the king's death, in the year 247 BCE, little Zheng became the new king. Though he was only nine, or perhaps thirteen years old, Ying Zheng felt ready to take on his new role as leader of the kingdom of Qin. The king, like his own ancestors, was not satisfied in ruling only the kingdom of Qin. He wanted to bring all neighboring kingdoms and cities into the fold and rule them as emperor. It was his life's purpose, you could say. In fact, Zheng proved himself ruthless from the very start of his career, not hesitating to order the execution of his mother's lover. That pseudo-stepfather, Zheng immediately realized, could become a political threat and was therefore better off dead. The child did not stop there, either. He had the man's entire family captured and killed. The boy king is remembered by the ancient historian Sima Shqian, who said, With his puffed-out chest like a hawk and voice of a jackal, Chin is a man of scant mercy who has the heart of a wolf. When he is in difficulty, he readily humbles himself before others, but when he has got his way, then he thinks nothing of eating others alive. If the Chin should ever get his way with the world, then the whole world will end up his prisoner. Chan was not overstating things. The Child King, alongside Acting Regent and Prime Minister Lu Bue, set to work accomplishing this great feat of total domination. Their first hurdle was the Seven Warring Kingdoms. The Seven Way War was nothing new to Zhang's people. In fact, the political, cultural, and tactical war had been raging for more than two centuries before the boy king came to power. Of the Seven Kingdoms, Qin was by far the largest contender along with its equally-sized enemy, the kingdom of Chu. It was, however, still quite a surprise to everyone involved when the kingdom of Qin overtook its enemies, one by one, 
enslaving and castrating their citizens. All just as Ying Zhang had envisioned. The complete unification of the seven formerly warring kingdoms took place in the year 221 BCE. To celebrate his great achievements, the now very adult Ying Zhang changed his public name to Qin Shi Huangdi, or the Qin Emperor. With more than 2 million square kilometers under his command, Qin Shi Huang had a new goal, to homogenize everything within his new empire. He wanted the formerly independent states to operate as one truly unified population. Previously, the kingdoms of Qin, Han, Chu, and the rest had systems of literature, finance, and even infrastructure that differed from one another. They had different calendars, slightly varied forms of writing, and different official road widths. If one wanted to draw a wagon from the Yellow Sea to the westernmost border of the Emperor's homeland, for instance, several lengths of the journey would be fraught with difficulties if they were not altogether impossible. Wasting no time, Qin Shi Huang standardized all forms of measurement and introduced the Bain Lang as currency. Bain Lang were bronze coins with a rectangular hole in the middle. Cart axle widths were also standardized, as was the writing. The emperor implemented his novel idea, whereby every part of the empire had an able and literate administrator, who was in possession of rule books and in charge of ensuring those rules were followed. He collected taxes, administered justice, and had trained bureaucrats all over the empire. That just left the problem of philosophical education. Before the Qing Dynasty, people subscribed to what were known as the Hundred Schools of Thought. These were mostly based on the teachings of several renowned scholars and included philosophies such as Confucianism, Legalism, Moism, and Taoism. As much value and pride as the people took in these various schools of thought, to Qin Shi Huang, they were just more barriers to a unified empire. The emperor himself subscribed to legalism, which fittingly upheld the will of the emperor in all of its ideologies. To suppress the rest, Huang ordered non-legalists to be collected and punished, often tortured. Furthermore, Evidence suggests that in the year 213 BCE, literature on the topics of Confucianism, Taoism, and Moism was collected by state officials and disposed of in great book bonfires. It was even reported that 460 Confucian scholars were buried alive and the school of Moism was lost completely from the face of the earth. 
Only books and pieces of writing with practical uses, such as ones on agriculture, divination, and medicine, were kept from the fires. With his people's cultural heritage in flames, Qin Shi Huang set about motivating the people of the empire to work together on new types of projects. One project was the new national road system, which standardized existing routes and spread new roads across the empire. Another involved literally piecing together state border walls into one Great Wall of China. Still, this was not enough for the Emperor of the Known World. Qin Shi Huang had so much more to accomplish, and he worried that he would not have enough time in which to complete his endless list of tasks. So, he ordered his staff to seek out the mythical Elixir of Life, which would give him immortality. To this end, ships carrying hundreds of young men and women were sent out to find a variety of mythical locations and people, including Pengle Mountain, home to a race of immortals. The Emperor also believed it was imperative that he locate one Angui Sheng, a 1,000-year-old magician whom he claimed to have met during his travels. None of these seekers ever returned to the Qin Empire, and the magician was never found. However, determined to achieve his goal, Emperor Qin accepted a variety of medicines and elixirs from alchemists within his reign. These alchemists, mistaking mercury for a magical substance that would deliver the Emperor's desired results, fed Qin mercury pills that probably led to his death, or, if you prefer, transition, in 201 BCE. When he disappeared from the realm of the living, Qin Shi Huang had ruled for 37 years. His tomb, in which his endless reign continues, remained undiscovered for 2,000 years after his death. It was a group of farmers digging a well who unearthed a group of impressive terracotta soldiers in 1974, exposing the emperor's tomb. So far, archaeologists have uncovered a 20-square-mile compound, including some 8,000 terracotta soldiers, along with horses, chariots, a pyramid mound marking the Emperor's resting place, remains of a palace, offices, storehouses, and stables. In addition to the large pit containing the 6,000 soldiers, a second pit was found with cavalry and infantry units, and a third containing high-ranking officers and chariots. There is also a full orchestra with instruments, and a river landscape with cranes, swans, and geese. More than this, though, according to the ancient Chinese historian, rivers of mercury surround the emperor's burial chamber, while mechanical crossbows guard its entrances and passageways. The tomb itself remains undisturbed. 
The Qin Dynasty didn't even last a year following the death of its patriarch, but the unified empire of Qin continued to grow into what is now the 9.5 million square kilometer People's Republic of China. As for the seekers of the Elixir of Life, legend says that they discovered Japan and founded a society there. Well, isn't it lovely when things work out the way you plan? No, I refuse to be positive about this. I cannot stand book burnings. I'm glad he's underground. Yes, we all are. Well, thank you for listening all the same. Do remember to check out our Twitter, our new Facebook page, our website, and of course, our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash history obscura. I will see you on Tuesday, friends. Good night. Thank you.